This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The following is a presentation of the Four Center Podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, out there and ours right here, this is the Force Center podcast feed presenting Other Center. Uh, a little smoother. I'm getting there. I'm Ken Napsock. <laughs> I'm Joseph getting there, Scrimshaw. 
And I'm Jennifer, not going to be there for a while, Landa. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes when you get there, you want to turn around and leave. But not here. We're having a lot of fun doing the Other Center broadcast. We know a lot of you tune in for us uh, and our thoughts on uh, that galaxy far, far away. We cannot wait to get back to that, especially, you know, with uh, a new series on the horizon and everyone excited about that. But we are uh, standing steadfast in our support of the SAG after and WGA strikes. Also, one of the big reasons is, you know, uh, we are very much involved in that industry. Those uh, guilds, unions, Jen being SAG, me SAG, Eligible, Joseph, an independent producer with contracts with SAG. So that's why uh, we are uh, standing strong uh, and hoping that uh, both strikes can come to a quick end. Whether or not we believe that or not right now, we'll choose to find hope. So a little reset of why we're here. Today, we got a special episode of Life Ranked. As you can see by the title, if you clicked on it, we are going to be discussing our favorite books, which is very, very hard. But before we get to all that and catch up with the fine folks on the show here with me today, uh, we are going to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash force center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Uh, a little bit later, we'll have a recommendation. But also, this entire episode is a recommendation <laughs> of 15 or so books that you might want to check out on us and support the show in the process. Big log intro, but Joseph, get in here. Please save me. We've got an ask as well. We do have an ask as well, which I will try to keep short because we have 15 books to <laughs> talk about. Uh, so this isn't so much of an ask as a thank you. Uh, so the last couple weeks, we have been honest, which, hey, you know what? Continues shockingly to work out. One of those things that you think mm-hmm. you know, uh, but then you have to remind yourself by doing it. Uh, as for Center has been other center, uh, there have been uh, some people who have stopped listening, which is totally understandable. Uh, we, we keep saying we understand if you're here primarily for Star Wars and we're not talking about Star Wars, great to take a break. Uh, some people on our Patreon have felt that way as well, that they want to take a break from either listening or even just supporting us financially. So we were we, we were bleeding on Patreon and we uh, we mentioned it. We put out a call and we are now higher than we have ever been on Patreon. So uh, clearly those of you who, who are sticking with us, who are enjoying Other Center, are really stepping up to show much, show your support and your support of what we're doing during the strike. And we just can't thank you enough. We passed the goal that we had uh, even before the the dawn of Other Center. We made it to uh, $2,100 a month. So uh, the reward, uh, the stretch goal that we're doing is we're going to do a live life ranked uh, that is for patrons. Uh, so patrons can be on the chat with us, uh, engaging with us as we talk about the life ranked and maybe even sharing some of theirs on the particular topic. And then eventually we'll make that uh, public on YouTube as well. So uh, I guess the ask is uh, continue to support us. We'll have another stretch goal eventually. But for now, just thank you for the support and thank you for getting us to this goal. More, more info on that life ranked for patrons coming soon. Yes, indeed. We're kicking around some wonderful ideas. As always, I say every, every week, but uh, the Discord is alive in a way that it almost has never been, which, you know, is a good thing, but also makes me go, hey, the other things too, you like? Uh, no, I know you all did, but it's been fun. I think it's been a great change of pace. And when we're talking about these things that are so personal, uh, books, music, uh, all those kind of things, comfort foods, uh, man, the, the opinions uh, and conversation, it's been an, an exchange of ideas. The exchange of bands uh, in the Discord, the exchange of food, people going, here's what I like and, and take comfort in. And other people going, I think I want that comfort. It's been wonderful. So thank you all and uh, love that. 
Yeah, that is great. I love hearing how much people are still discussing it. I've had clam chowder like three times since I listened to it. It's one of my comfort foods, and it's just a warm glow every time. Yeah. Warm glow, indeed. Uh, and then uh, the final thing, uh, wait, you didn't mention this already. No, sorry. I'm having, uh, I, I'm also, I'm so out of sorts because <laughs> the last weekend I've had, are we recording a podcast? I don't even know. Uh, other Center, with questions of an other variety are uh, is coming your way. A live Q&A on our YouTube channel, 2 p.m. Pacific, Friday, August 25th. Uh, me and Joseph, and then I'll publicly uh, remind myself to ask Jen if she's available. <laughs> Jen, <laughs> I think so. I think I'm available. Yes, yes. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, 2 p.m. Pacific, uh, hang out with us for a couple hours uh, for as long as you want uh, or as long as you can. Uh, we'll be taking questions, uh, again, of the other variety this Friday on our YouTube channel. So subscribe over there if you haven't and hit that notification bell or just get ready to join us this Friday indeed uh, we do want to catch up with life adventures and since I feel I've over talked already Jen we're gonna start with you we're gonna start with you. and what'd you get up to this past week and weekend I want to be able to say everything I did but everything involves m- movies or TV shows <laughs> I watched this incredible movie that's not a new movie uh it's an older movie by a very famous filmmaker. And I showed it to my daughter, and it was incredible. And I can't say what it was. This uh, is really fun to guess now what, like, deeply inappropriate movie you showed. I, like, I'm not even going to make the jokes, but I'm having raw fun in my head. I know, right? It's like, okay, let's play this guessing game. It sounds like. Um, so that was one thing I did yesterday because uh, Hurricane Hillary came. And mm. it was not really the hurricane. I don't know. I, I was kind of, like, prepared for it not to be as big of a deal. I mean, it just was a lot of rain. Thank goodness for us here in uh, Los Angeles, mid city. Um, And it was, yeah, it was just pretty uneventful, except my kids just were going stir crazy. So we watched Mm -hmm. a lot of movies yesterday. Um, And then I also worked on my Jedi beat episode, one of those. Mm -hmm. And I watched a lot of what I'm not allowed to talk about. (laughs) <laughs> I can't wait for you guys to see it because I was deep in the weird side of the 70s and 80s variety shows. Mm. And I thought I had seen it all, but there was some new stuff that I found. I was like, oh, God, this is this is even weirder. So <laughs> can't wait to share that. Those mm. were my life adventures. That's good. That's yeah. great stuff. Um. Joseph, I know you had a big eventful weekend, so I'll just swing in here quickly to say that, uh, yeah. Um, Take your time. On, well, uneventful, but eventful weekend as well. Uh, Grace and I got out of town and with some friends of ours, and this has been a vacation plan for months. And I don't take a lot of vacation vacations, nor does Grace. We are part of that, uh, you know, uh, the, the affliction of if we're, we work, we work and travel, <laughs> like all my travel mm-hmm. Generally uh, related to work. Even Europe last year was tied to uh, a convention, right? Um, so mm. this is one of those. Let's just get away. Some friends made a nice, nice offer. They have uh, access to a, a, a retreat, an actual treat Airbnb kind of retreat situation. They said, "Come join us." It's out in the wonderful high desert of California. At twenty-five years in LA, I never had. Uh, step foot in the high desert, driven through it, but never stepped foot. So it's like, great. Uh, we're in Yucca Valley, a little bit north of Palm Springs, uh, near Joshua Tree. Let's do it. We planned this. And then, uh, you know, a hurricane was coming our way. And I mean, literally our way. 
of my sister lives in Baja uh, on the Mexico side there of uh, uh, like uh, Baja, the potential there. So she was in, like first to get it and she was sending me updates. And literally uh, our buddy Ken Plume, I want to shout him out, give me a helpful, He's a, he lives in hurricane uh, country on the East Coast. He sent me a very helpful app and I was tracking things hour by hour. And it was, oh, the X marks spot for us. And that's, that's where it's all going. So, um, you know, just one of those things. So we ended up uh, packing up early. We had some dog issues as well. And thankful we did. Uh, I think we'd still be there. Not for some of the flooding was really bad, but the, the 10 freeway uh, at Palm Springs is uh, blocked right now um, mm. directions because of um, massive flooding. So uh, we got out and then just enjoyed a very heavy earthquake filled Sunday. And uh, I'm happy <laughs> to be here. And that provided its own kind of relaxation. So that's my story. And I'm sticking <laughs> Uh, that is, it, it's a very understandable story where you need to reach deep down into your, your patience uh, and find your, your calm center, which maybe you can do while we're talking about the books, but it sounds like a very rattling weekend. It was. And I love, I say, I say this carefully. I love earthquakes. I don't want a 6.5 or higher or seven. I don't want to, I don't want the big one and, and they're destructive and devastating. I want to be clear about that, but I just, the jolts are always kind of a little fun, a little adrenaline burst. My, my first responder pass kind of kicks in, my blood kicks in uh, all that. I was terrified. Uh, and it was a 5.1 in Ojai, which was close to where you were, Joseph, but uh-huh. uh, mm-hmm. uh, my house rolled and rattled three times. And I'm not kidding. It was the moment like the rain kicked up. So, you know, I had my initial reaction of we are all judged. And now is the moment. I, 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 <laughs> I jumped out of the chair and, and ran to the back to make sure the dogs were okay. And uh, it, it, you can't, you just, you're at unprecedented times where it's like tropical storm or hurricane. And, and, and shout out to the folks in my life on the East Coast who were like, oh, here, let me give you some helpful advice. Anti shout out to those who were doing the whole like, oh, it's not even like a hurricane. I'm like, you you come out for a 3.0 earthquake and see how your pants are after. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, <laughs> you know um, we all got our, our regional uh, regional problems, which might not be regional anymore. So um, mm-hmm. quite a weekend. But anyways, yeah. Uh, uh, and I did think about you, Joe, because I couldn't remember exactly when you were leaving. I'm like, oh, that's that's next door. Yeah, no, I mean, we didn't end up having any problems, but it, we uh, easily could have uh, with some different choices. Yeah. 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 yeah so, yeah, my, my, my adventure was uh, going to uh, Ventura for our, for my birthday, uh, a nice birthday weekend. And it was a wonderful, relaxing vacation, except for the moments where I didn't do a good job with all of the, uh, the philosophical lessons we've learned talking about that uh, galaxy far, far away. Of be in the moment because I so love being there and I so needed a vacation. Stepped yeah. in the door of this beautiful hotel we love with a view of the ocean, and I, my first thought was like, "It's going to be over too soon." <laughs> <laughs> so I had to battle that. Uh, but besides that, uh, had a had a great time. The we've never been to Ojai, so on Sunday uh, we were going to be like, "Well, we're going to we're going to leave into her and we're going to drive up to Ojai. There's an outdoor bookstore, and then like." There's going to be a hurricane probably there, so don't do that. Uh, we had almost gone to Palm Springs instead, so we were just like, we should really count our <laughs> blessings and uh, and get home. And it's about an, an hour drive usually, and it was still about an hour. Uh, and there were a couple of moments where the the freeway was pretty nasty, 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people not used to driving necessarily in huge uh, deluge. Yeah. Uh, and there were a couple of times I'm, that, you know, I'm used to the road trying to murder me uh, in yeah. various ways uh, from living in, in Minnesota. And there were a couple of times where just like that, the your car moves because that's too much water. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a little scary getting home. Uh, but yeah, then just a rain here or just rain and a nice little earthquake. (laughs) We were, uh, we were watching some television and the music swelled and then, you know, uh, our house moves. It always feels to me like the Hulk is mad at our apartment building and just goes and shakes it. (laughs) That's what earthquakes feel like to me. Cause it just, yeah. 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 And I'm glad, yeah, nothing appears to be here. The news was trying so hard to find some major damage. They were like, yep. in Temecula, beauty store had to close because some shampoo <laughs> fell. Like, right. This yeah. was not, uh, thankfully, this, this doesn't appear to be a bad one for any damage. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so that was nice. Uh, the, the actual adventure that I, that I wanted to talk about was... Um, we've been going uh, to Ventura and I have had a... I'm... I'm a, a, a city person and have not been uh not had a lot of great instruction on enjoying nature so i'm like i like to look <laughs> hmm. i don't touch nature and then i was like okay i'll i'll take my shoes off and walk on the beach but i'm not putting my feet in the water and then i was like all right i'll put my feet in the water and this is over like the span of two years of going going there mm-hmm. and then this trip uh, my wife Sarah was like, "Why don't we bring our swimsuits and and we'll we'll actually go into the ocean itself?" Um, which I was very far away from doing two years ago, and now I'm kind of like, I want to keep taking one more step and have push myself past my my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was great; it was amazing. Uh, it, the the parts of it that were like beautiful and fun were amazing, and the parts of it that were terrifying mm-hmm. uh, oh, was absolutely amazing. I've been sitting there staring at those waves and enjoying them and watching other people mess around with them and an entirely different experience to be in them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the big thing for me is we just, you know, waited in far enough. And, and once I got in there, I was going out too far <laughs> for my <laughs> wife. And she's like, careful, careful, undertow, undertow, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. trying to figure out exactly what is the, you know, optimal place to be for the waves. Cause the first few, you know, knocked me over. Mm-hmm. And I got into this uh, great rhythm where I got out in the right place for the waves and could be there in time to jump just as they were rising, but before they crested and had this like beautiful, amazing, the water caught me and threw me in the air like a parent throwing a toddler for fun. (gasps) And it was just like beautiful and perfect. And I was like, why did I resist this? This is nature's beauty. And it's like, and then the next time I did it, I timed it wrong in the ocean punched me in the back and smashed my face in the ocean, threw me underwater. <laughs> it was just one of those. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's life. You, you can't fight the wave. You can ride it and you got to get the timing right. And one moment it will be a parent joyfully tossing in the air. The next minute it will be a foe smacking you in the back and teaching you a lesson. A chair shot from nature. I, I <laughs> it really was. I, you I can hear it. it. The the yeah. Uh, yeah. You 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 love the quote too from the Beatles movie A Hard Day's Night. Uh, yeah. It's like the ocean has fists like matured hams. <laughs> it does. I look. I love this. Is great because uh, and first of all, I want to acknowledge you grew up in the, the land of a thousand lakes. It's not like you're unfamiliar with water and shores and you know to acknowledge yeah. that. But there's some. There's something special about the the ocean. I get it, and having grown um, up a mile from it, and Jen, curious your opinion. Uh, so Cal uh, uh, raised as well here, but I, I I have a weird relationship with the ocean. Don't love it. 
uh, spent a lot of time in as a kid, tried to be a bodyboarder. One, mm. you're describing just the exact the moment where you realize you are not in control of nature. <laughs> you can yep. only hope to be maybe in sync with it. And I had a, I had a pretty catastrophic, like flipping boogie board. All I saw was water sky, water sky, water sky, water sky. And just <laughs> ended up on the, uh, the shoreline and was like, I'm retired. I'm turning in all my town and country shirts. I am done. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, uh, and, uh, <laughs> uh, my, my experience with the beach is sneakers, uh, workout pants or sweats and a hoodie. Like that's my beach. So I don't go, I don't go in. But I love this tale of you going in. It is, I think people should experience it. Uh, there are some dangerous, some serious ones, and there's also some yeah. silly ones, including things. I always say, sand, sand, pointy, squishy. That's your feet are feeling weird things. And I'm like, I don't, I don't like that at all. But anyway, mm-hmm. I, your relationship to the ocean. Let's get into some complicated ocean relationships. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. I grew up going to the beach and I, I just don't like it. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. But yeah. Right. Like I don't like the sand. Like, mm. well, like, the, sorry, like that character says it gets everywhere and it's really true. It really is unpleasant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like floating in the ocean in Hawaii cause it's nice and warm. Um, the waves are pretty mild in my experience, uh, on Waikiki beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to snorkel. That's fun but like my husband will literally go out and swim in mm. the ocean i'm like Mm-mm. what are you like there could be sharks there could be <laughs> jellyfish right and now my my daughters love it too and they are obsessed with the beach and there i am you know in mm. my uh my hoodie and pants because <laughs> i really don't i don't like it it's just not pleasant yeah. In my in my feeling, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm with you. I'm sure there's some beach bums out there, and God bless you. It's a beautiful thing. I love going to the ocean. But uh, anyways, Joseph, you're our hero. You stepped out. Yeah, yes. no, it, I, and and I, I'm sure I will uh, have uh, anti-ocean feelings at sometimes and still be a, a hoodie guy a lot of times. But this was a good way to kind of push myself to try something and go through all the sand everywhere and the the my mouth is full of salt <laughs> from the, yeah. from the ocean and uh, and uh, yeah, I, there's only it was only seaweed and rocks, just only scary things to step on and, and mm-hmm. to go through all that and still find some joy was nice. Yeah. Wow. You push through, you push through. Well, uh, that's the show, everybody. We've talked about. <laughs> uh, I, I love the other center, gender, center adventure because it's just it's freed me up a little bit to to talk uh, about a lot of things that uh, we normally don't get to here with our four center uh, listeners, and it's been a fun journey. So we can go more deep beach thoughts. But hey, let's get to what we got here uh, today. Our life ranked episode is our favorite books. We've been taking these dives. Uh, into, I think, big headlining topics, the music, the comfort food, uh, the books, and and it's been a lot of fun. Uh, this one, I was so ready for bands and artists, like had my list, you know, 10 years ago, ready to go. Um, I did, uh, we always kind of test the tone and tenor. I, I, this is a different kind of struggle where I knew I had some titles, but unlike, say, your favorite movies or your music, you know, choices, there's some of these I haven't even picked up in 10 years. So I'm like, do I even remember why I liked it? <laughs> <laughs> and would you still like it now? Yeah, would you like it now. So, Jen, I don't know. You, you off air, you express some a similar sentiment there. Yeah, you know, it's. I was actually an English major, so I read a lot of books it, during my time, and then I kind of have just gone through a period where I don't really read as often. Mm-hmm. I read mm-hmm. from that galaxy far, far away. Uh, but I've recently gotten back into it. So I will have a lot more current 
titles. My list mm. is very much classical literature. So, mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, but- because I had the same thing. Mm. I was like, what what do I like? I haven't picked mm-hmm. up that book in a long time, but I know I I know I liked it, but why did I like it, right? So, yeah. Yeah. I, I no, I think that's interesting as we head into this. I was going to apologize for I have pretty much uh a giant lack of any classical literature. Uh, <laughs> some are big, more well-known books, maybe, but like, yeah. And I was like, oh man, this is going to expose me as a dummy. So you're on the other side, Jen. <laughs> like, I'm the well-read English literature. <laughs> oh, yeah, my picks are a little dark, so hopefully there'll be some Ooh. levity in here with your choices. I love that. And Joseph, yeah. I know you enough to to know that it could be a good mixed bag. Maybe some big classics, also some uh, really interesting <laughs> things that I'd heard of. So I, I, I don't know. Where, where are you at with this? I, it's a weird mix. And some of the books I think of as sort of like um, crucial to to my identity, which would be my normal. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I realize I haven't read those in a really long time. I have a couple on my list that I haven't read in a long time, but some that I would name, you know, mm-hmm. normally in a conversation, I'd be like, I haven't revisited that. And I don't know if I'd still love it right. as much as I have. So there's definitely some of that uh, going on here. And, and yeah, in terms of like, classical there were definitely some classic uh, things i wanted to include but i just Mm -hmm. tried to be uh truthful and it's Mm. a weird a weird weird mix (laughs) yeah indeed indeed a completely weird mix so without further ado we're gonna work our way five to one we'll take a break after three no runner-ups but if something pops up and you mention it, 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 it there you have it you have some bonus uh, book choices for all the listeners out there to consider checking out on Audible. There you go. Synergy today. Synergy. Uh, we're going to work our way through uh, five to one. Like I said, I, I, I you know what, Jen, you got to you're coming out with heavy hitters. Let's begin with you. This is this is actually not a classical book. <laughs> I said that in my whole list is not classical, but it is a little dark. So it is called Mind Hunter. Inside the FBI's Elite Serial Crime Unit by John Douglas and Mark Olshaker. Now, I did not know that this book was actually turned into a Netflix series. Mm -hmm. Um, I read the book about 20 years ago, and it has stuck with me ever since. This is a nonfiction crime book written by retired FBI agent John Douglas um, and his co-author. And uh, so John Douglas, he spent most of his career working for the Behavioral Science Unit, uh, he interviewed a lot of like the violent offenders like uh, Charles Manson, David Berkowitz, John Wayne Gacy. And then what he would do is he would try and apply what he learned to develop criminal profiles to then solve unsolved cases. It's just it's fascinating. You really get inside the mind of a killer, which is terrifying. Mm-hmm. But if you're interested in psychology and true crime, I think that you'll find it interesting. Um, Jodie Foster's character in Silence of the Lambs uh, and Lawrence Fishburne's character in Hannibal are both based on John Douglas mm-hmm. and what he, what he used to do. Um, and I like that this book is not salacious, right? A lot of true crime can be like, and then, you know, no, it's, it's very much <laughs> like Lane out the facts, talking about his history, his personal life. Um, and, and it really also lays out proactive steps on how to lure a killer to the police. Mm. Um, a lot of these serial killers have big, big egos, which, but also uh, mm. deep, deep insecurity and their own trauma. Anyways, I'm not going to go into that. Uh, <laughs> but it's just so fascinating. I, I will say, be, if you're going to read this book, I must issue a trigger warning. It is extremely graphic, like extremely. Uh, it, it's also extremely disturbing. 
I don't know if I could actually read it now, especially after having kids, because there mm. are some portions with these serial killers and, and children. Ugh. Uh, and Douglas is also kind of a narcissist. So, you know, and he's also in favor of the death penalty. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of other <laughs> things that you may not find uh, mm-hmm. appealing, uh, but it is, it is fascinating. So that's my number five pick. Uh, okay. <laughs> that's Joseph. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that, I think that's great. I mean, that it seems like uh, along, I'm sure with other things, it sounds like that is ground zero for a lot of the culture that we're living in now with the huge popularity of true crime and all of the different aspects of that from the, the, the very clinical, just truly wanting to understand to sometimes the more exploitative or, or shocking, mm-hmm. um, yes. but to, to kind of go to, uh, a, a specific book that is a person who actually did it and have it be not uh, exploitative is really a great, a great resource. Yeah. 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 You know, and it's interesting. I was thinking about this and I was like, why, why did I find it so fascinating? I think as, as a, as a woman, you're always kind of walking around with a little bit of fear, you know, mm-hmm. like, am I going to get attacked? I'm like, is something going to happen to me? Like if, if I'm by myself in these certain situations, I feel like women are just kind of programmed that way. Um, and so in some sense, when I first picked this up, I was like, oh, I'll be able to spot uh, if somebody's going to do this, I mean, the reality mm. is the, the 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 scary thing that I I have since learned is that a lot of times these predators you would never know that they are predators because they are the the nice guy next door. Um, so yeah. Anyways, but this is a really really fascinating book. Oof, yeah, uh, I, I love what you're saying too. I think it's important to note. Um, yeah, the 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 true crime uh, industry and genre is, is 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 giant now, and and I think mm-hmm. I, I will agree with you, Joseph, that some some there's going to be bad versions of it, salacious versions, people just jumping on the bandwagon, and then there's a, a lot of shows, uh, top to bottom, in between everything. I I I I I used to if I see one here, I'll, if I if I hear one more hacky comic do male comic do a bad joke about why why w- women listen to true crime I, th- I think i might just charge the stage um <laughs> i had that too i get it i get it because if you you know grace will have the 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 podcast playing and and it is it's pretty gruesome it's it's pretty real in some descriptions and and uh i, I have that like why would you want to study that know that read that or listen to that and and you know she one day just was like well because Every woman kind of thinks this might be their end. And so we kind of want to study the hows, the whys, and what will happen after we're gone. And will our case be solved? And I just kind of went, that's a point I'll take forever. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. um, it's it's uh, about perspective. And so I, I, I get um, I get uh, this book being your choice and, and all the things that are in and around it. Uh, so great way to start off our list. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, one last thing. My dad uh, was a reporter in the uh, 70s and 80s. And so he would go to the courtroom a lot and he would see some of these these killers like Richard mm. Ramirez and stuff like that. And so I think he also instilled in me when I was a kid, he'd be like, and I stared at Richard Ramirez's eyes in the courtroom and it just was the face of a killer and this blah, 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 going <laughs> on and on. So I think that was kind of like uh, programmed in me to be like, that is really fascinating. What, you know, who are these people? Um, Mm -hmm. And to kind of look at it from that more clinical perspective, as opposed to like, Oh, let's dig into the dirt. Right. So, yeah, I think that, I think that's a huge power of it It is just want, want to, even if you don't, aren't able to like uh, verbalize it, just the human desire to want to understand 
how we're made and what we're capable of. And when we hear something like so unbelievable, it's easy to just sort of like mystify it. And not a pop culture does that of just like that boy's had the devil in him. And like, okay, you can, it's fun. And those are interesting stories and all that, but to take it out of fantasy to reality of, of wanting to truly understand how we're made and how can, how can, somebody do something that uh, the rest of us is so abhorrent is a natural and, and good desire. And it like that, it, I just, that's a great story with your dad of just being like, I want to look in his eyes and see if I can understand. Mm, right. Exactly. Yes. Well said. I think that's a lot of it as well. Well, I'm going to swing in with my choice because synergy here, synergy. Uh, oh. Now I don't feel as bad for my choices. Uh, you're talking about uh, the FBI uh, and their uh, elite uh, serial crime unit in the latter 20, 25 years, right? Well, I'm mm-hmm. going back to the beginning. My number five book is Public Enemies by Brian Burrow. Yes, this oh. was turned into a major motion picture in 2009, uh, which I actually, for the most part, liked. It was, a, it was a good version of it. Anyways, this is a book that thoroughly examines the... Uh, war on crime and the start of the FBI during a uh, pretty insane time, 1933 to 1936. This focuses on John Dillinger, Babyface Nelson, Pretty Boy Floyd, uh, the Barker Carpus Gang, Machine Gun Kelly, and Bonnie and Clyde. And it is mm. uh, narrative history. Uh, and beyond just being fascinated by that, and I'd be curious to reread this book now where some of my thoughts uh, on the world have changed a little bit, but I still... Um, and fascinated and believe crime is real. We must analyze why and the best ways to deal with it, where it comes from and, and all those kind of things. And uh, 33 to 36, it was a struggle for our country at that time with what was going on. Uh, it's fascinating. But beyond that, this is, it's no wonder this is one of those turned into a, a, a movie kind of books, just like your book, Jen, turned into a show. I, I, I This was one of the most gripping reads I ever uh, have experienced. Uh, mm-hmm. This this is it's it's stunning it's 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 kind of craziness that the violence um, all around but just the the, the 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 gang violence there at the time with these these uh, these legendary figures that become that we've all kind of grown up with right uh, you know Babyface Nelson and John Dillinger. you hear these you hear different versions but it's the real versions and the real stories and it's presented in such a way that it's it's a history book. But it it is a it is a page turner, as they might will say, and and I couldn't put the book down. Mm-hmm. One of the quickest reads I've ever gone through, uh, and it's uh, it's pretty honest. It, it looks at it's it's um, I would say uh, no one side is presented as as a hero or anti hero, but but both sides are of of the war on crime are are uh, addressed honestly as as I think you could could be. I'd be curious to reread that for myself now, uh, but that's where I'm mm-hmm. at the time. And how the FBI go is is was just a bungling group of amateurs, <laughs> and that's even in the description of the book. And how it's it's pretty, it's almost frightening how how bad. And then how some uh, Texas lawmen showed up to kind of change things and everything. But anyways, I highly recommend Public Enemies if you want to see the start of the FBI and their war crime in the mid thirties. That's my first choice. That is great. Yeah. I love it. I've just added it to my Amazon list. The, mm-hmm. Oh man, I, it's I can see what you said right from the get go. I just saw one couple sentences. I was hooked. I'm already yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the FBI. I mean, all, I think all of kind of law enforcement, American law enforcement. There's there's lots of pop culture that has sort of propped it up as you know right mm-hmm. and proper and in, mm-hmm. in the order, and it always has been right. Yeah. Um, but the FBI in particular has had a lot of pop culture really propping it up as, you know, this absolutely, you know, peerless institution mm. of well-meaning detectives. There's some pop culture I love that 
made me mm-hmm. as a as a young man go like maybe I should join the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> so to get into the messy real life flawed mm-hmm. origin sounds so good and like it's not just about that time but about like the truth that everything uh, almost everything is messy and human because yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah well highly recommend it jen uh we'll do a follow-up report uh book report here maybe i'll read yours we'll do an fbi uh, center there we'll talk about uh, all that's <laughs> a book swap for our book club <laughs> uh, so we're off and running here to talk about our favorite books joseph your number five choice and how does it relate to the fbi my number five is about FBI agents who are serial killers. Kidding, <laughs> 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 kidding. Uh, I do like that our book lists are uh, not just book lists. They are examinations of where we come from and why we like things. And we're mm-hmm. feeling the need to uh, add lots of caveats and apologies. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and I am the same. I'm really realizing that a, a lot of my list is uh, from the perspective of, of my age and gender and Mm -hmm. uh you know being in in some of these are definitely uh ones that i would put an asterisk by of hey they they definitely have some things that i don't agree with that are of their time that are flaws of the humans uh other ones are that this was really progressive it seemed to me when i read it when i was 14 uh but (laughs) maybe some parts that aren't uh, as progressive because that's you know what progress means um uh, but i just want to own my perspective i can't help when i was born or how i was born but i'm also aware that a lot of them uh are from my perspective i had a really great conversation with my niece who's a great reader who reads a lot and she recommended some uh newer books and there's so much great uh diversity and perspective in newer books and and i'm kind of like yeah i got a lot of books to recommend (laughs) and as i started thinking about like these 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 are all books that speak to grumpy old straight white men. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not all of them, but some of them. Yeah. So that's my caveat. Here we go. My number five is Breakfast of Champions by Kurt Vonnegut. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Kurt Vonnegut is a, a huge influence uh, for me. Uh, I think when I was getting young and, and curious, and I think feeling very uh, ostracized and different for being scrawny and artsy and not good at sports and, and all these things that made me feel other um, mm-hmm. and feeling like I kind of, I don't know. I think I was, I think I was given a very good, solid, kind grounding in the world by my mom in Sesame street that mm-hmm. had the sort of the list of, you know, we should be nice to each other. We should help each other. And I think I kind of just grew up think, thinking like, yep, I'm trying to do those things and be a good adult. And, you know, you get to a teen and you're like, wait, mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never met a politician who obeys any part of the lessons of Sesame Street, you know, and your your worldview gets kind of shattered because you realize you're being taught an ideal. You're not being taught how adults actually mm-hmm. behave. Mm-hmm. You're kind of taught when you're a kid that, that is the way adults should behave. So to, to my reading when I was in my, my teens and having sort of my, my perception of the world shattered, Kurt Vonnegut was this incredibly kind, empathetic, creative human who, who was really a, a harsh realist about how awful people can be, mm-hmm. but really clamoring to find hope and joy and connection within the horror as a person mm-hmm. who lived through the bombing of Dresden. Um, his book Slaughterhouse Five is about that. Uh, so I think I just really uh, gravitated to Kurt Vonnegut Jr. because it, it felt it, he felt like someone who was being honest that 
adults behave very, very poorly, <laughs> but still found hope and beauty. Anyway, Breakfast of Champions is the, uh, the, his, the book he wrote for himself on his uh, 50th birthday is a, is a 50th birthday. Mm. Yeah. And it's written in this very great, uh, uh, very specific style. It, it's a, it's a sad, hard story, but it's written in this style that spoke to me when I was a kid of just any any time he mentioned anything in the world, he sort of broke it down to its component parts and explained it and kind of took all of the the um, decoration that we put around it and stripped it away to just like, isn't this weird? Um, hmm. So like one of the passages that always comes with me is like, you know, uh, men were taught that they it was extremely important for them to see uh, women's bodies, and so they tried to all the time. Mm. <laughs> you know that kind of thing that stripped it down and made made human behavior both funny and also said like we can reexamine this. We yeah. this, this we constructed this. It doesn't have to be this way. Uh, mm-hmm. It also has pictures uh, with little funny drawings by Kurt Vonnegut Jr. Uh, I, I reread it about um, twenty years ago, and I'm due to re- reread it again. And uh, final thing that I really appreciated about it, it, it's also something that's really reckoning with the fact that story and narrative mm. can be extremely comforting, but we also can't expect life to move like a story all the time because it sets us up for uh, uh, unrealistic expectations about the the structure mm. and shape of life. And that was one of the, the ideas that really spoke to me uh, when I reread it about 20 years ago as an actual adult. So that's my number five, Breakfast of Champions. That's great. Uh, I love it. This this is probably one that will eventually uh, make my list as uh, approach uh, appropriate age for this book. Um, <laughs> uh, I am uh, woefully uh, uh, ignorant on the, on the genius of Kurt Vonnegut other than being aware of who he is. And I saw this movie version in a theater. Uh, which <laughs> I can barely remember. Uh, but I remember that. Uh, yeah. And I just, uh, I love, I love how you're describing it. And, 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 and now I think it's okay for all of us to be like, ah, oh, man, I've heard of this title and this author of my entire life. And I have no idea really what it is. And to hear you describe it, to hear you to, to, to attach great purpose, both, both, per, both personal and just kind of general to it. Uh, you're, you're selling it. I'm going to use an audible uh, discount code here. <laughs> and I'd like to, yes, yes. You guess who, guess who narrated it? John Malkovich. Right. Oh, audiobook. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. That's great. Uh, Jennifer, have you encountered this, read this? I have not. Uh, I did read Slaughterhouse five, gosh, years and years ago. So when he said Kurt Vonnegut, I was like, ah, uh, yeah, uh, I'm definitely going to do the audiobook on, of this one. It sounds mm. fascinating. And do you feel, Joseph, too, that when, 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 when was the age when you read this the first time? Do you remember? I, I think 14 when I read it the first Ooh, time. Oh, wow. I, yeah. you, you need to do the follow-up and, and just uh, and note it and, and document your journey. So like, <laughs> what's different? What has changed? What is confirmed? What is like a, a head nod of, yep, that's what I thought. What, you know, that, that's a fascinating journey. Yep. Yep. I read it again, like I said, as an adult, but I haven't read it in, in a while. And, and mm-hmm. there is, there is definitely some things for, for Kurt Vonnegut of, of he, like I said, I feel he was a very progressive man for his age and some things wouldn't read super progressive now. So be yeah. warned. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, that is wonderful. All right. That's it. Uh, we, we're rolling here. Five in. We're going to, we're going to be in here for the long haul. All right. I'll get to my number four. <laughs> uh, I'll get a, um, this one actually kind of ties in a little bit what we were talking about last week. Cause it's around music. Uh, it is, uh, uh and I, I guess we should just say the caveat. I think every one of these choices has at one point become a movie or TV show, but this one did as well, <laughs> but I haven't seen it. Uh, 
This book is called Killing Bono by Neil McCormick. Uh, Neil mm. McCormick is a childhood friend of Paul Hewson, the man we all know as Bono of U2. And he, too, was a songwriter and a vocalist in a bunch of uh, unsigned bands, each one uh, less successful than the one before. <laughs> and he ended up getting into music journalism, which has been, for the most part, his career. But uh, he wrote this book, which was a, a memoir, and it was originally titled, or one of the versions of it before it was retitled to Killing Bono in the U.S., because that's quite a salacious title. It was called I Was Bono's Doppelganger. And what it is about it is it is the story of, of two friends who were close, are close, uh, as far as I can remember now, who take different paths. And one becomes tremendously successful and the other one is not. And what that does to him and how it mm. kind of dominates his journey, even as he does become a successful music journalist for uh, things like Hot Press and goes to write for British GQ and all these things. But the thing he wanted to do is not being done by himself. It's being done by his friend who now becomes... Mm the biggest in the world at it and it affects him and it and it's something he has to deal with and it's something i think i have always related to and i'm always battling still to this day uh where it's just the natural comparison but it's also the journeys the choices and, and it can and it can be a shadow it can be a rain cloud over you and and this book um early on helped me kind of identify that kind of situation and that kind of uh uh genre in a person you know where you're just kind of stuck under under something that maybe isn't even there uh, there's nothing you could do about it. It's a fascinating book. It ends with kind of a weird, it's written a, a, about 20 years ago now. And it's, and it's got a weird happy ending at the time uh, that I'll sh save if, if anyone wants to read it. Um, and then eventually instead of turning a movie, McCormick uh, went on to do other kind of uh, books and actually was a ghostwriter of U2 by U2 back in 2006. So a uh, fascinating tale. Uh, and I highly recommend it for music fans, but also, you know, if you've just been in life trying to, succeed at something and it doesn't work out the way you plan. It's a great, great journey. Does he make peace with being kind of like the person that's writing or commenting on the person who's making the thing? You know what I mean? I feel like as yeah. journalists, that's always been my thing. I'm like, well, I can report on what other people are doing, but they're actually doing the art. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. that it's something that I've wrestled with. How does, how does he, does he, uh, yeah, he, he does come to some sort of piece of it uh, with it, and and again, it's been a few years since I've read it, so the details um, uh, fade. But he ends up he ends up having a successful song, and mm. it happens by complete accident, and it happens um, because of Bono, but not like directly uh, in a weird way. And a song ends up in a, in a, in a movie, um, blah blah blah. But he it kind of only comes after he accepts who he is and what, mm. is, what the situation mm. is. Uh, and, and, and that Love doesn't, that. And it's not like he suddenly turned into a rock star, you know, he's, he's still a, a writer and still a chief rock critic for daily telegraph. And it, you know, but um, he got to experience that thing and maybe it wasn't what he wanted after all, you know, that's kind of part of the journey too, but I'm with you too. And I think we all struggle with that. You know, I love doing a podcast about other people's art, but that's also not why I moved here. Right. And, and mm -hmm. that's a struggle right. that I, that I think we all battle. So yeah, it's fascinating tale. I recommend. Yeah. That sounds great. Do you think, does, does he deal with, he would have been on some version of this journey without having this link to Bono, right? If, if he had not been, best friends with Bono, he still would have longed for the career he dreamed of, it, but Bono made that much more acute. Does he deal with the fact that 
it, it's it, the the connection to Bono was making it more painful, but it would have been there anyway. Yeah, yeah, as best as I can remember. But yes, this was something that it wasn't like, you know, oh, you're doing that. I want to do that too. This is this is what he wanted to do, and then and then it just so happens, you know, his buddy's band gets there <laughs> gets there in a major way. But yes, he does kind of reconcile with that. Um, yeah. It yeah, is really hard to, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, because he goes, he's in a ton of bands and some get, he, you know, radio airplay and some are almost there. It's not like he's alone in his basement going, man, no one's listening to me. There's a lot of missed close calls, a lot of record deals that didn't work. It, it's pretty, it's pretty uh, heartbreaking and fascinating along the way. Yeah, I, I I think those stories are so important. That that's really cool uh, because yeah. I, I just it, there's there are those things that are easy to hold in your mind as statements, but they're so hard to feel <laughs> that yeah. you know we're all on our own journey, and all we can do is control what we put out there. Uh, mm-hmm. But so much of the world tells us that, like, well, but but Bono was meant to be a star; it was his destiny. Uh, and then you internalize, well, I guess it's not my destiny. <laughs> right, right, right. I guess I wasn't handpicked by the cosmos. And the truth is it's lucky breaks. It's yeah. the moments and all that. But it's hard to feel that, particularly when you're right next to somebody who is in yeah. bonkers successful. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a fascinating tale. So highly recommend it. Killing Bono by Neil McCormick. But Joseph, what is your number five? Uh, my number uh, four, right? Round oh, four? four. Oh, see, four. We're starting over again. No, four. four. <laughs> uh, let me repeat everything I just said about breakfast. No, uh, my number four is a, a classic in my opinion. And I think in a lot of uh, literary circles, it is The Big Sleep by Raymond Chandler. This Ooh. is the first of Philip Marlowe novel. This is a uh, novel that is seeped in Los Angeles. It is a first person private detective yarn it is th- along with Dashiell Hammett uh, Raymond Chandler really solidified uh, what we think of as a uh, private detective there are mm. some other other writers as well but but Chandler and Hammett I think uh, uh, bolstered by the success of the films based on their novels uh, really take the crown what what is the big deal with a uh, big sleep for me is um, it, it is you know, some of it reads is almost uh, stereotyped uh, because he's the one who invented it. Uh, mm. You know, when people invent something really distinctive, it's easy to parody. And yeah. then when you've only seen the parodies and then you encounter the original, they're like, <laughs> right, right. It's, it's shocking. Cause like it, this was so clever when it was new. Um, so it, mm-hmm. Philip Marlowe is, is the, is a tortured detective. There's a thread here in, in the books I like, of um he he sees how awful everything is uh but he keeps trying to make it better anyway even mm-hmm. against his better instincts he's so he's got great hilarious uh, uh just poetry first person poetry of just gnashing his teeth about how awful LA is and the people in it and their base and obvious motivations and <laughs> nobody else sees it and you know it you know, just drive around LA in the rain complaining to himself, but still is this, you know, private detective barely squeaking by trying to make a difference. Uh, a lot of his novels are great. The big sleep is just the one that, that it just, it sets all of this uh, in motion. And it's a mix of just a great and famously incredibly confusing detective story. Cause Chandler cares much more about the detective than the detective story, which is a mm. big distinction in detective fiction is, is it about, 
the detective game and the reader trying to figure out who done it or does it not actually matter that much who done it we're following the soul of the detective and the big sleep is definitely we are we're diving deep into the soul of the detective so that's my number four the big sleep that's a big one there jen any thoughts on this and have you played the video game la noir I was just going to say that. Oh my gosh, you read my mind. I was like, this sounds like, (laughs) I used to love that game. You'd go through like old LA. I I just was looking it up on Amazon, the the book, Mm -hmm. The Big Sleep, uh, adding that to my list. And the cover has a martini, which is perfect for you, Joseph. (laughs) It really is. It really, really is. Uh, how much of that, how much of, of this this book uh, influences you in those kind of ways, Joseph, or does it at all? That's just a coincidental. Oh no, I think it does. I think it does. I think there's I think there's a lot more crappy whiskey in this uh, than <laughs> uh, that probably than than actual martinis. And it was real. I reread it a couple of years ago once I actually lived in L.A. and the oh. the exact spot that that uh, Philip Marlowe lives in is is not real, but it is uh, it's easy walking distance from where I live. So there's that. There's that weird romance of this is L.A. from a different time mm. um, where honestly and, and that's part of it is that sort of, again, that search for for honesty. This is being written from the perspective of, uh, yeah, the cops are on the take. <laughs> yeah. And there's only a few you can trust, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. It's, it's a great snapshot of, of L.A. in a different time. Yeah. I mean, 30s, 40s. Poor Chief Parker came in and, oh, I can, yeah, that's a fascinating story too. Uh, that's great. I love a big one here. Jen, uh, have you had a, a chance to, outside the video game, sweep through some of these? I, I have not. <laughs> no, no, I have not. It's interesting. This is a perfect companion to your public enemies uh, it book, Ken. Yeah. I love this. I'm so excited for my new uh, reading list. We love crime, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> we love crime. Oh, boy. Yeah. That's um, funny. Yeah, absolutely. No, uh, 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 and I'm fascinated too, but you mentioned, Joseph, like things that are parody, you know, there's so many parody versions of this, including sketches on shows and video games, like I mentioned, and then to actually get to the real thing, uh, that's that's an interesting journey. Like, oh, that's where all that's from. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, uh, other contemporaries as well, but he's the one who really nails, like if you've ever seen the sort of, the, you know, there's a there's a saxophone and rain and the neon and, you know, she came to my door and blah, 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 you know, she had legs like whatever, like all that stuff starts with him. Yeah, indeed. Big one. Big one there. Uh, so, Jen, you're number four. Well, my number four, now I'm like, maybe I should have chosen a Michael, Michael Connolly book uh, to go with our theme. <laughs> But I'm going a really weird direction. And I wanted to put a kid's book on here, um, one that's been a favorite of mine since I was a child that I still read to my my daughters. And it's called Streganona by mm-hmm. Tommy DePaolo. Mm-hmm. Now, the story of Streganona, uh, Streganona means grandma witch in Italian, and it Ooh. takes place in an Italian town uh, near Calabria. And so basically, Streganona is this witch who has a magic pasta pot that instantly makes pasta for her. She just kind of does this spell, a bubble bubble pasta pot, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone in the town goes to see her for their various problems, um, even the, the priests and the nuns from the convent, right? Like everyone just loves her. So one day she, she's getting old and uh, she needs help around her little house. So this uh, young man named Big Anthony comes and he sees the pasta pot and he's like, ooh, I want to be able to do that. So Streganona happens to go out of town and she puts him in charge of her house, feeding the goat, you know, all that stuff. And she says, don't touch the pasta pot, whatever you do. Well, guess what? 
he obviously touches the pasta pot. The problem is, is that he forgets to do the last thing, which is blow the three kisses. So the <laughs> pasta starts overflowing, right? And at first it's great. And he's like inviting all the townspeople and they come and everything. So he's like a hero. Well, then it continues overflowing to the point where people are freaking out, thinking they're going to get killed by this pasta that's like <laughs> overflowing their town. And they're, they're all mad at Big Anthony, right? He's the one that causes problems. But Streganona happens to show up and she's like, hold on, everyone. I'm going to give him the proper punishment, which is to eat all the pasta. Mm-hmm. And he does. So <laughs> I don't know why I love this book so much. Uh, it, you know, she she helps people with like finding husbands. Like it's very old timey. Like it's definitely not not that progressive. But I love the artwork. And I love that the book has been banned mm-hmm. in several school libraries because it supposedly promotes witchcraft. And for that oh. alone, it's my number four pick. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have to add it to this house. Um, uh, that's great if she's read that. Uh, that's fantastic. First of all, I've, I've never done psychedelics, but halfway through that description, I was like, am I on psychedelics? What is happening? <laughs> I'm sorry. I told the whole story. No, I, I had to it, give context. It was great. I was sitting here thinking like, we got to do other center episodes that are just like Jennifer's story time. I'm sorry. Like, I'm I was like, sorry. I went too long. No, I'm sorry. No, no not in this. A, you just <laughs> literally did not go as long as Ken or I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was fascinating. I wanted to get like some warm milk and like <laughs> Jennifer's telling a story. I wonder what's going to happen to Big Anthony. <laughs> oh yeah. I love reading it to my girls. I put on my terrible Italian accent and <laughs> we do the, you know, and then of course when I make pasta at home, which I would love a magic pasta pot, I do that song, the song or chant and my kids think it's hilarious and now they do it. So what do you feel like, it, what do you feel like is the moral? What do you feel like you're teaching your kids uh, through the tragedy of Big Anthony? <laughs> The the moral is basically like if somebody tells you not to do something, there's probably a, a good reason why. Mm. And if honestly, if maybe if Big Anthony had just asked Dragonona, like, can I try this? Maybe she could have shown him how to do it properly. But instead, he was sneaky and went behind went uh, behind her back mm. to do mm-hmm. it when she was gone. And that's what I always tell my kids. I'm like, I'm not going to get mad. Just tell me. Don't try and sneak it. You know, we, we can have an honest discussion with it. And I may not like it, but maybe we can come out with a good compromise. Mm, that's great. Well. <laughs> so, so did uh, I for just uh, you when you were telling your story, you, you said in the in the punishment is that uh, that Big Anthony had to eat it all. And mm-hmm. you said and then Big Anthony di- and and as you got to the D, I was like, "Oh my god, does Big Anthony die?" <laughs> <laughs> and he yeah. <laughs> no, Big Anthony looks like me after after I've had a big pasta dinner. There was this drawing, the, the, you know, the picture of him with his bloated stomach, and Streganona's in her little house, very happy. And there's like a bunny who's just staring at him, like, man, should have listened. Yeah, <laughs> this is easily the best book listed so far. <laughs> yeah. No, it's so ridiculous. And they, they have stamps. I think it was on my mind, not because I just, I just read it like a couple of days ago, but uh, the artwork is really seventies and like folksy. And so they put a Streganona on stamps and I had to buy it. And oh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So mm. there we go. Look, this has got pasta. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to our food. Yeah. That's a oh, definite yeah. cup for food. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Well, that, well, we're we're off and running. Jen, you're doing great. Please, more story time. Uh, but we are up to our number three choices for the sake of moving on. Joseph, 
take us into uh, your third choice. Uh, so my third choice is one that I have uh, uh, talked about recently on the podcast as a is an actual audible recommendation, but it is uh, so in my mind I couldn't leave it off. I heard from at least one one listener who who gave it a try and enjoyed it. So hey, I'll plug it again. Uh, this is a book series that I was introduced to uh, by my wife, and it is uh, a book series that her whole family enjoys. Uh, everybody in her family has has read it. So there's some some great like oh okay I've been hearing about this. Uh, forever. I am a big fan of detective stories and spy stories on, and that's going to come up again on the list. So my wife is always like, there's this, it's kind of, it, it is, it's, she's a spy. It's a spy thing. It's, it's a spy mm. thing. You got to check this out. And it is, uh, uh, the book is the unexpected Mrs. Polifax, uh, mm. by Dorothy Gilman. Um, I believe this one was written in like the late sixties. Uh, Dorothy Gilman continued to write Mrs. Polifax adventures until the nineties. I think the last one might be the early two thousands. I don't know. I haven't looked ahead cause I'm not done reading the, the series yet. Um, but the basic setup is this is a book that really uh, spoke to me for, um, for being a uh, middle-aged Mrs. Polifax is, is older than me and older than us. But the setup of the book is that uh, Mrs. Polifax has had the really standard life that you're supposed to have. She had a husband and two kids. The two kids are out of the house. Uh, the husband passed away and she's just feeling like there's a huge part of herself that needs purpose and is unfulfilled and needs a new adventure. Uh, and, this is in the first couple of pages, so I'm not spoiling. The unexpected part of the title comes from uh, a story she heard about in, uh, in somebody who always wanted to be an actor and didn't have any success, but then they were older and like the community theater or whatever needed an older act- actor. And it was an unexpected moment where you fit in, that your need found you mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And she just decides, well, what I need to do is work for the CIA. <laughs> and she basically becomes like a grandma agent for the CIA. And so w- when my wife always told me about this, I was like, that sounds like a lovely, cute, fun. <laughs> and parts of it are cute, fun. Parts of it are, let's have some comedy with, you know, a, a grandma aged American being James Bond. Definitely. Let's have some fun with that. But there's all this wisdom of a woman, Dorothy Gilman, who's read, who's lived for a while and had some life experiences. And then every once in a while, something truly dark and awful happens to keep <laughs> the espionage real. So it's this weird mix of kind of quaint, fun contrast of a grandma spy um, to like really deep wow, that hits you in the gut, life lessons to like sudden, actual, horrible (laughs) espionage torture. And you never know what mix you're going to get from book to book. It's so surprising. And uh, uh, honestly, I I read the Mrs. Palfax books when we go to to, uh, Ventura. Mm -hmm. Um, And reading the Mrs. Palfax books is what made me go, okay, you got to take off your hoodie and your jeans and and have another experience, have another adventure, put your feet in the ocean, you coward. (laughs) (laughs) From reading these books. Mm. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Inspiration from unexpected sources. I love that. Exactly. The unexpected Mrs. Polifax. That's my number three. Uh, Beautiful. I also, there's definitely a detective uh, investigator uh, theme going on here, Joseph. So we'll have to, Yes. Second career you begin. (laughs) That's wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, Jen, any thoughts on that one? Or we can move to your number three. I I love it. I've added that to my list. This reminds (laughs) me of murder. She wrote. I am. in. (laughs) There's, there's a definite connection. Yep. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I love that. Uh, Jen, what is your number three choice for your favorite book? 
My number three is Antigone by Sophocles. Wow. Yeah. This is a Greek tragedy, right? Uh, Written many, many years ago, 441 (laughs) BC, (laughs) to be exact. Uh, It's a play. So there is a Greek chorus that kind of serves as the narrators and also they're, you know, critical of the action that's happening in the play. Um, It's kind of complicated, but basically there's two brothers uh, who are Oedipus's sons. They die in battle fighting each other. Uh, Their uncle Creon becomes king and the play opens with Oedipus's two daughters, Antigone and Ismene, discussing the death of uh, their brothers. And Antigone is really upset because she wants to bury one of the brothers. Uh, but the king believes that that brother was a traitor. And has said, no one can bury, no one can bury him. If you do, you'll be stoned to death. But in her heart, she knows that that's not morally right. Um, it goes against the God's will. And anyway, she buries him. So Antigone is brought before the king, King Creon, and he basically says, you're sentenced to death for what you did. And she's like, you are not the absolute ruler. You're going against what the gods want. So I just, I love it. Everyone dies at the end, by the way. Uh, Spoiler alert. (laughs) 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 It is a true tragedy. And it's really interesting because both Antigone and the king are both so stubborn, right? But they're stubborn for different reasons. So the reason why I love this play is because it's about equity. It's about civil disobedience. Um, it's about how the pride and tyranny of a king leads to his ultimate kind of tragedy of losing his family. It's a story about courage and conviction. Um, and Antigone is considered to be an early feminist hero, which is also why I love this play. Nice. Uh, this is great. I, I, I love your encapsulation. I, I read both Oedipus and Antigone in high school, but it has been many years. I've revisited Oedipus, but not Antigone. And I... <laughs> Every, I love hearing hearing about it from your perspective, Jen, but there's also this sort of, um, there's this power to it because as we've talked about a lot, you know, right now people are tired of uh, nostalgia and IP. <laughs> mm-hmm. This was the sequel to one of the greatest Greek plays <laughs> ever. This was, yes. this was Greek tragedy IP back in the day. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I think it was the, it was the third, the third installment. From- right. Right. So yeah, the, yeah, I almost said the struck, the struck company. I will not say it. Yeah. <laughs> it slips, slips. Yeah, that was great. I actually, uh, Edifice I actually read, but it was very early. Jen, when were you introduced to this again? Antigone, I believe it was actually not, maybe I read it in high school, but for sure I remember it in college and really, it really resonated with me. Um, yeah. The character. Yeah. Okay. I, I had a weird, uh, not weird. I, I, there was uh, some real close friends of ours, uh, two sons, uh, two, two brothers I was friends with, and, and their mother. Uh, for one summer, I was basically every day I was taken there, uh, and and my, my mom is at work, and I was kind of like homeschooled through the summer, and mm. and very love them, great family, smart smart folks. Uh, but they they put Oedipus in my hands and said, "All right, cool, you have to read this and do a book report on it." Uh, <gasps> I was like fourth or fifth grade. No, I was, you know, I was a bright kid, but I wasn't that bright. (laughs) So just, I, it kind of, so from then I'm like, I don't, I don't, yeah, I've never returned. So I love hearing what you're saying. Oh my God. Fourth grade. That's ridiculous. Like that's hard. Someone going into fifth grade. I was just like, I like baseball. Yeah, well, you're gonna love Oedipus. I don't know. Yeah. Ah, wonderful, wonderful. Well, that is your uh, number 
Three choices. Three. There's, I don't know why. It's, there's so many. We're t- talking about so many wonderful books that, that uh, it's uh, the numbers are escaping me. Uh, but we're up to my number three choice, and it's the first official life ranked sheet of the episode where I'm in two titles because they are, I think, intertwined in a lot of ways. Uh, And that is uh, two books, Saturday Night by Doug Hill and Jeff Weingrad. This is the inside story of the first five. And then there's an updated version, first 10 years of Saturday Night Live. And then Bill Carter's Late Shift, which is the war for late night, the Carson uh, retiring Letterman Leno war. Um, These are fascinating books for those in in the creative fields and the comedy fields. Um, And just if you're like me, too, I love both those things, which is why I'm fascinated with it. But I am also fascinated with with people, groups of people in, in certain weird like pop culture times that build the things that you go on to love or just don't know what they're building while they're doing it. Maybe they have an idea. Like I love hearing the stories of, you know, uh, whiskey go, go in the sixties. Mm. And no one knows that you know, my uncle used to tell me stories of seeing the doors as the house band there. And, 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 and no, wow. one, no one knew, right. You're just like, ah, Jim's band's here. This guy again. Yeah. Like, and, and, and you're all around it. And, and that's actually something that will probably come up in, in our cues of the other episode soon too. If just, I love eras and, 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 mm. And, and modern pop culture eras. And, and, and in New York in the mid-70s, as they're building the show, show um, Burbank in the 90s, as they're fighting over for the war late, late <laughs> and the They're fascinating tales. They are gripping. Bill Carter's uh, book is, 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 I've always said, is one of my favorite books, at, at, at regardless of, of my interest in it. Uh, as a lifelong Letterman fan, uh, it is, it's, it's, it's insightful to the business of Hollywood. And there's a follow-up book that f- covers the Conan O'Brien Leno situation. Um, oh, wow. Bill, Bill Carter as well. It's pretty fascinating. Um, uh, you learn a lot in all, a lot of different directions. Um, anyways, can't recommend it enough. And, and the Saturday night one is actually, I think it, I think you, I just checking on, on Amazon or all uh, those spots. Goodreads. It's, it's out there. I think you can get it. It was out of print for a long time. And I had stumbled onto a copy at a used bookstore in San Luis Obispo and was kind of like, Oh, what's, what's this? And it is uh, also, uh, one of my favorite books and it, and it's honest and it's, it's, you know, we are in an era where a lot of our favorite performers and their behaviors and their tendencies are, I think, correctly analyzed or questioned and just blind love of creatives can sometimes be uh, dangerous and sometimes wrong. Uh, it's a pretty honest look and good and bad ways. And, um, the, you know, some of your favorite comedic performers, uh, you kind of see what makes them and you kind of see what breaks them. And, mm. Uh, not defending any of them at all, but it's 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 pretty fascinating. It's pretty fascinating stuff. And the book actually begins with a, a kind of a warning, a preface of like, these are creative people under immense pressure doing things that sometimes add to their <laughs> their pressure. Um, some sort of a recreational uh, uh, assistance, we'll say. Uh, so take, keep that in mind as all the stuff you're about to read, but it gets pretty real. Uh, and I, uh, you know, and you see these stories you grew up with and I love to, you know, uh, people just, you know, Chevy Chase and Bill Murray got in a fist fight. It's like, yeah, I've known that for years. And this book goes into the details of it and it's fantastic. Anyways, I love it. Uh, so I won't go into the details, the weeds of these, uh, these, uh, pop culture uh, icons and errors, but I love these stories and highly recommend. That is good. That is good. I remember, I remember that that whole transition. And I was a big Letterman fan as well. Mm-hmm. And I remember being just shocked that people actually <laughs> like that mm-hmm. Leno, the people liked Leno and people tuned in. And I just was so angry. And like, <laughs> I've, I've added this book it's, to my, my book list for sure. Yeah. 
And and there was an HBO movie that's actually uh, okay. Actually, I like it. I like it. Uh, it was made at a different you? time. Uh, yeah, I, it's it's not the greatest, but uh, it's it's interest. It's interesting. But the book's fantastic. It starts with Carson's retirement, mm. uh, which he surprised everyone of. No one knew it was coming, and despite there were some whispers in the wind, but like no one knew when he was going to do it, and it sends shockwaves through the the, the seats of, of executives, <laughs> and it starts from there, and it's fantastic. Oh, those sound great. I mean, the Saturday Night Live one is is fascinating, uh, but but uh, I think having lived through the Leno Letterman one makes it really interesting to go want to go behind the scenes of that one. You know, yes. So mm-hmm. Before we had anywhere near the num the amount of um, uh, analysis or discussion available at our film fingertips about pop culture stuff, I don't. I just felt like this is one of those truths that I knew somehow from I don't know, probably from the TV Guide that when. <laughs> <laughs> when Carson retires, Letterman will take over and it will be a triumph for weirdos. Mm-hmm. And yep. Then, yep. Nope. Nope. Uh, you know, a loss for the weirdos. I so defiantly watch Letterman every night. Yeah. Me too. Because I enjoyed it, but also to stick it to well. Yeah, yeah. No. And, Me and, too. Yeah. No. And there's, and, and there's the famous story, the fascinating one, though, that, you know, I'm not saying you'll change your view on Leno. It won't. But. He he, Game of Thrones that and and actually hid in a supply closet, overhearing a conference call based on all his enemies. Why they didn't want him to get on the show? It's fan, it's gripping. It's just oh he's high, he hid in a closet with a notepad and had quotes that he could throw at them the next time he met them that they had no oh. idea because it was a it was a secret conclave of a meeting. And it it gets down to that, but I'm I'm, I'm a Letterman guy to the end, and uh, you, you come out of the book still being a Letterman guy. I think. But uh, wow. despite, yeah. you know, again, these are uh, not perfect people either. I'll say, but um, and then uh, Leno had to eat all the pasta. Oh, uh, anyways, that's my number three choice. There we are rolling along, but we are also going to take a quick break and come back. We hope you're enjoying this conversation and hope you maybe have some new books that you're going to read or listen to here in Force Center. Uh, before we do, uh, we are going to uh, recommend an audiobook. I, I mean, I really, Joseph, do you have a choice? Is there? A- <laughs> <laughs> no, I, like I just love this question marks because I kind of should. Should we just say that all of them are yeah. recommendations? All yeah. of these books, uh, I believe, all of them should be available on uh, Audible. You can download your free audiobook today by going audibletrial.com/slash/forcecenter. Again, that's audibletrial.com/slash/forcecenter for your free audiobook. All right, all right, all right. Quick break, and we'll be back with our number two and one choices here on a special life ranked edition of Other Center. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome back to Other Center, a special edition of Life Ranked. We are talking about our favorite books. It's been a a fun conversation, uh, uh, predictably uh, in-depth at times conversation, but these books (laughs) are inspiring us. They help build us, uh, and they're just entertaining. But we're going to go to our number two choices there. And, uh, Jen, I believe you are beginning with your number two choice. Number two, I had to put Shakespeare on the list. It is Hamlet by William Shakespeare. The reason I love Hamlet so much, obviously I don't have to do a recap, but most people know what it's about. But the reason why I wanted to put this one on the list is it reminds me of like the Philip Marlowe books that you're talking about. Like the, this work has been parodied. It's been copied so Mm. much, right. But going to the Mm -hmm. source and really reading it, uh, it just is so um, it's emotional. Like I look at the, the last poor Yorick monologue, which has been you know, made fun of whatever, or not made fun of, but just parodied a lot. Mm-hmm. But when you actually read the text, like it's him reminiscing about the memories that he had with this, with this man when he was a child. And it's just, it's a really emotional monologue that's questioning like the purpose of life the futility of life like it's so so deep and that's what i love about shakespeare it's like every mm-hmm. line is so dense and i know it can be it can be difficult to read mm-hmm. um but sometimes <laughs> if you want you could always watch the movies or the adaptations uh, on tv while also mm-hmm. reading the books that can sometimes help because shakespeare is really difficult to perform mm-hmm. but when it's done right 
it is mind blowing. Um, and I, I don't want to talk about this one specifically, but I will say like Ophelia, mm-hmm. who is a, a kind of an underwritten character, but nonetheless, like it's a true tragedy. And I just think of some of the great actresses like Helena Bonham Carter, Kate Winslet, who have played that character and who've just really made the, made it sing. Um, so yeah, that's my number two. Ah, Hamlet. I like the story of revenge. <laughs> <laughs> and wrestling with it. Uh, yes. I, yes. I, I love this choice. I I still mostly have the Alas Poor York uh, monologue memorized. Yes. Um, because I did it for a bit, uh, a, a sketch comedy bit where a squirrel uh, it was dressed as a squirrel and I would just randomly run on stage and, and do allegedly impressive feats and one of them was the squirrel reciting this last four york monologue <laughs> that's good <laughs> yes the last four york i knew him ratio he's a fellow of infant chest and most excellent fancy yeah, the poor man is back a thousand times now how important my imagination is my gorge rises at it um yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, hamlet was i so i so in high school uh, i was in this program called the international baccalaureate which is just this very specific you know advanced studies and, and some of my classes were in it and, and some weren't uh but the but it was a whole block for four years of what the program was and for mm. whatever reason they chose tragedies so, mm. so all of all of the teen years were dark brooding mm. uh tragedies um but we hit hamlet in in 12th grade and it was one that broke through not just to me but to everybody else of oh this guy's depressed and maybe (laughs) thinking of the only way out is not great and or murder or just like the uh the universalness of hamlet's story when you can get past uh all of um the the sort of cultural buildup of shakespeare something stuffy and old and get to the heart of what this is i think really speaks to people who are you know having a hard time and trying to figure out life yes Mm. yes Mm. Exactly. I'm someone who has performed Shakespeare and not well, Jen. So I really love this choice. Uh, I did uh, my senior high school, uh, took a Shakespeare class and was in the Merchant of Venice all stuff. So uh, I have mm. the appreciation for, for the uh, the truths there and uh, and Shakespeare's works. And, and it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, there's a reason uh, it is, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> you know, like, right, right. Great. And all the stuff there. So I love this choice. And you are truly an English literature major. This is shining. <laughs> love that. Um, so that is your number two choice. Uh, I think that means, uh, you know what, Joseph? Uh, well, you know, here, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. We're going to go. Um, We're making up the rules. All right, my number two choice. All right, all right trying to caveat this best I can. It's, it's a very important book to me. It's one of my favorite authors. It's a very well-known pop culture book turned into a popular movie that I also love very much. But it's also a story and a movie that over the years you want to look back at it and make sure, you, you know, uh, what, what needs to be changed and what's the full context. I also think sometimes it's done without some context. And that's maybe another discussion, another podcast. Uh, but it might merge out of this. But without further ado, it is uh, the Nick Hornby book, High Fidelity. I'm a big Nick Hornby fan oh. of all of his works, um, nonfiction. Otherwise, he's also great. Uh, if you ever just want to hear, read his books on music and songs, his favorite songs, big music fan. And of course, it shows because High Fidelity is all about uh, music and top five lists and collecting uh, and um, and love <laughs> and loss and, and uh, how maybe uh, sometimes – Love, relationships, and collecting things uh, gets all messy and 
Uh, I, I do love the movie. It's hard to separate my conversation from the movie, but we will because we're focusing on the book. The book is, uh, uh, it's actually, it's actually, it's, it's different in, in, in spots for sure. Uh, from even just the character's uh, surname. Um, but I love it. I love this book. And I did, I, I wrote about this book in the early two thousands when I was, uh, uh, writing for a music website and I did get, some pushback and it was one of the first times that I had to, well, okay. Yeah. Uh, my perspective is not the only one on this journey. I do think there's, this is a story that has a lot of uh, lessons and has a lot of mistakes made. And that's sometimes the point and sometimes how you take it. And I think that's also um, part of the lesson for me too, of how media literacy and how you read into it and, 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 and making sure you're getting what is actually there versus not what you want. And I think at times even I had, taken the wrong things from this book uh, and the story. But it's fascinating. I used to read it about once a year for about five year period of time. And then just, I got older and now there's a movie I could watch and not read the book for a course of weeks. So I love it. It's also very me. It's very pop culture-y um, and all about music and and all, all through it. Uh, and and uh, that's why I love it. So there's a lot of reasons to love it. Maybe some reasons to question it, but it cannot be uh, denied. It is a very important book in my life. So there you go. My number two choice. I love that. I, can I have a follow-up question for you? Mm-hmm. I have not read this uh, uh, book, and we won't dwell on the movie, but I had a list at one point, which uh, mm-hmm. is, is funny given the the nature of this narrative, of movies where I finally felt like they weren't about some faraway adventure, but mm-hmm. that they were some, I saw myself in other humans I actually knew. In mm-hmm. Is that part of the power for you of like, mm-hmm. this wasn't... <laughs> <laughs> Sophocles. This wasn't I can or Hamlet of I can relate to the soul of this, but I'm not a <laughs> prince whose right. father was murdered. There is yeah. none of that is required. This isn't a larger life than life hero, even even like Philip Marlowe. This mm-hmm. is just it's it's you and your buds in there in a book. A hundred percent. And there was a big push, and those books have always existed to be clear, but I think in the mid nineties on and, and Hornby is part of it. Uh, his other book about a boy, which is also turned into one of my favorite movies, but the book is, is, is really different. It's an early nineties period piece where the suicide of Kurt Cobain factors into the plot. And that kind of stuff isn't in the movie as much uh, with Hugh Grant. Um, but you're absolutely right. This spawned, there's a lot of, and there are a lot of them are UK, but Lisa Jewell, Mike Gale, uh, two names that come to mind as well that I absolutely love during this time. And they kind of had that stuff. And especially as I approached, like 30, which seems comical to look back and be like, oh, 30. But 30 is one of those first big numbers that kind of hits you. And, and it's a real number and, it, and it's a scary number. And and there was a lot of that, uh, which is why I said there was a, there's a lot of mistakes these characters make, which was kind of part of the point. It's not a hero. <laughs> it's someone trying to grow. Uh, and as someone who was trying to grow but didn't know how, um, the lessons and, and and the article I wrote that got me um, a little bit of pushback was the blessing and 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 curse of Hornby's high fidelity. Um, and I, I always acknowledge there's some stuff that it um, made me feel, or, or you know, I wanted to. Uh, I always wanted to feel a breakup at the time. Yeah, I, hadn't, I was a late bloomer, didn't understand relationships or how they worked or how they should work. You know, so I wanted some of the pain. I wanted, you know, so there's a lot of things mm-hmm. to take from it, good and bad. Um, and again, regarding like modern, I, I get, I get where other generations would come along and be like, Hey, that had some things in it. Cause it does have some things in it. And I think some things got pulled out of it that, um, you can't separate, you can't, you know, say Hornby's innocent of it in a sense, but it's like, I don't think it was his intentions, but it also spawned 
an entire genre of sad sack men <laughs> like, who, who, who looked at things incorrectly, right? Um, mm-hmm. Including love being something you, you, you collect as if it's a top five list, you know? So uh, anyways, uh, yeah, uh, to answer your question in a short, direct way, absolutely. It wasn't <laughs> Hamlet. It was Rob Gordon and Rob Fleming. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. It's, it's powerful. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll never forget the, 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 the seeing that film. Uh, mm-hmm. And being affected by that narrative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So there you go, Jen. Uh, counterbalance to that, or <laughs> yeah, no? I, I did. I liked that movie a lot, and I, I think it. I think it resonated with me as well. It was kind of like uh, around the time oh, Reality Bites might have been a little bit earlier than yeah. that, but it kind yeah. of was like the th- same thing where you're like, oh, I can relate to this person mm-hmm. on screen or in this book. That's kind of me as opposed to some far away yeah. world or character. Yeah. And, and, and the book was real close to the, the reality bites uh, era and movie. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it is a timepiece. It's, it's, it's a time castle for, for the nineties indeed, which again, mm-hmm. another reason I think I probably like it, but that is my number <laughs> two choice. Joseph, we're up to your number two choice. Uh, my number two also has caveats and asterisks uh, of plenty uh, of being uh, of a different time and a different perspective. So uh, go in uh, with your own, uh, uh, take your own counsel uh, <laughs> uh, before you check it out. But it, it means a lot to me for, for lots of reasons. Uh, it is the first James Bond novel, Casino Royale by mm. Ian Fleming. Uh, I just uh, couldn't have it on my list. I've been on this kick of, I've read two books now that are, from the 60s, which was the end of Bond's literary career, the mid-60s, or the end, it, Fleming had passed away, so the the uh, the books were basically uh, completing for the time, the original books uh, by Fleming, and, and the movies were in the uh, ascendancy, and these were sort of uh, both critical analysis of just just the books, which have got me thinking about it even more, uh, but it's always an important book to me. I read it uh, pretty damn young. I think I was 13 when I read this book, mm. um, and for a while, it was my one book that I reread every year. Uh, and so I think it, it probably went in, uh, pretty deep, uh, the, the good, the bad. And, uh, I, I wish I was more curious because there's some, some things in the book now of like, why didn't you look that up? So, you knew mm. <laughs> it was harder to look it up, but you know, like just mm. cities and politics and names. And, uh, you know, when I reread <laughs> the book, I'll be like, I could have found out who Hoagie Carmichael was, but I had no curiosity to go ask anybody who Hoagie Carmichael was. It gets name checked in Casino Royale. Anyway, it is uh, the, so it's the first Bond novel. Um, I'll try to keep this short. Um, the character of, of Bond in the films is uh, related to literary Bond, but it's a very different thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the novels were heightened from real life for sure, but they were thrillers and they were grounded in Fleming's actual experiences uh, as an operative uh, coming up with wild uh, uh, counter espionage plans during mm-hmm. World War II and a lot of other, you know, bizarre and fascinating uh, life experiences. So they've got this, this tension that I would say that, that uh, what happens is heightened, heightened in fantastic. And, and part of the reason that, that bond, especially when I was growing up and there wasn't as much, uh, genre sci-fi. You you mm. you'd go to like even even to this day. There is a toy store 
in the valley close to where where you are, Ken, mm-hmm. uh, that has a painting of this sort of the the genre classics of the eighties, and it's got mm-hmm. um, Vader, and it's got the TARDIS, and it's got Spock, and it's uh, got the DeLorean from Back to the Future, and it's also got James Bond. Yeah, and and mm-hmm. and you know the. W- Beside a couple like hints of maybe that was magic uh, here and there, he's he's pretty grounded in reality, but he's also always been a part of the sort of the canon of geekdom yeah. because there's this hmm. part of Bond that is the heightened in the fantastic of the emotions are real, but the situations are super heightened. So I think there was something that I, I responded to without having any idea that's what I was responding to. Uh, when I was a kid, there's also the collectability and the, you can memorize which villain and, and a, which love interest and all that. There's a, there's a kind of nerd obsessiveness that has drawn me mm. <laughs> to these books. But the reason I put uh, Casino Royale in particular, there are probably other uh, Fleming Bond adventures that I, I enjoy more. But this is his first book and Bond becomes lots of things. But this book is Bond kind of hating his life thinking it's this is these are ridiculous petty games why are people dying over these ridiculous petty games between nations why am i doing this what is the point of this i'm in a casino late at night and it's not cool it's disgusting mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like that's the the opening passages like i feel gross mm-hmm. <laughs> Too many drinks, cigarette staleness in the air. You can taste the desperation and the sadness. And like, it's not some of what we know, like classy, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And through his journey in this particular book, which people probably know lots of parts of it from from the film. Mm -hmm. uh, A friend described it as it is actually while while having definite dated and, and upsetting things it's really about toxic masculinity. It, it is about mm. Bond trying to decide, you know, should I keep doing this and why? Why am I doing this to myself? Mm. So there's a real beating heart to it that I don't think I understood why I gravitated toward it at a young age, but I think I understand more now of it is fantasy, but it's also like wrestling with the reality of why am I actually making a difference and why should I do this? Hmm. Um, final thing I'll say about it uh, after failing to be short is uh, I just I love artists who do something kind of uh, bonkers it's not necessarily the way it's supposed to be Uh, critics of the of their era can tell you why it technically doesn't work and isn't good (laughs) and yet there is some spark of life to it because a person just wanted to create something and they did this book is much shorter um, than normal books. It has a weird structure because he wrote half of it and it's like, it's not long enough. I'll add a second half. It's got a mm. wonky, weird structure. It should not be a success, but there's a beating heart to it that is. And it reminds me of some of the things that we talk about uh, when we talk about the galaxy far, far away and the creators involved who just want to make something and they capture lightning in a bottle, even though it isn't, you know, technically perfect. Mm. Mm. Yeah, th- this one's on my list to read uh, because of my uh, you know affinity for the movie, but but what the the movie is is about in a lot of ways, and I and, and I'm not surprised that you're saying that's present here, right? It just makes mm-hmm. sense. Uh, and and to go back to the beginning to 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 just study that and be part of that, and I, I, it is fascinating the Bond thing in terms of uh, geekdom, like you said, it's a weird relationship because it's not quite right, but it's also <laughs> makes a lot of sense. 
Um, in fact, I, even back in, in the movie Trivia Schmodown days, when they, they had a whole that whole inner geekdom division, and they added Bond questions, and half the competitors were like, "Finally!" And the other half were like, "Absolutely not! I've never seen one." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. or it doesn't count because there's not a spaceship. You know, yeah. right, yeah. right. Really weird relationship with it. I, I know that mural you're talking about, and it's uh, Bond is front, front and center for sure. Yeah. Um, Last thing I'll say about about it and about the relationship, I, I think why Bond sometimes fits in is. In in some of the film adaptations and even even later novels, some of the sort of uh, you know Martini is shaken not stirred has been it's sort of evolved and mutated into sort of Bond being this encyclopedia of knowledge and and fine taste and in the books and from the truth of Fleming, he's just an opinionated, persnickety, nerdy old man <laughs> who just got his his list of like pedantic little ways he likes things. So I think hmm. even when I was a kid and like being like, I wish I could have the fantasy of being James Bond. I think there's a, James Bond's just a big old nerd who's just hmm. really pedantic about the way he likes Martini. Hmm. That's great. Now, now I want to read it even more. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Well, that's a great number two choice. Uh, Jim, we got your number two choice, right? We got, mm-hmm. we got Joseph. All right. That's it. We've reached the number one spot. This is going to be interesting. This is where maybe, I, nah, I don't think I've crossed over. There's a chance this was going to be a, a crossover, Joseph. But I'll go first to get out of the way. I want you two to close the show here as well. Uh, I'm cheating a little bit here, just putting the entire series. Uh, I, I, I thought I can't do this. There's got to be another choice. I have other books like Shop Girl by Steve Martin, The Bad Guys One by mm. Perlman, uh, some other things there as well. But I, I got to go with The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. Um, mm-hmm. For what it is, for what it was, uh, my love of Douglas Adams, uh, rest in peace, Douglas, uh, the number 42, which shows up on all my custom made converse. Um, and I'm <laughs> not alone in this, uh, not alone in this, even in this podcast with, with the people who had exposure and influence that uh, were influenced by this book. I, I uh, was transported away and not just in terms of story, but how to tell stories, how to get humor from things, uh, deeper meaning or commentary on, on life, our life, um, when I didn't even fully understand it, right? Um, I just thought that was funny. I'm not getting picking up on the, you know, the swipes of bureaucracy or anything like that. <laughs> you know, uh, and 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 just growing with it. I, I even um, I followed the series all the way up to mostly harmless. The fifth book. There's a sixth book which I did read. It was post um, Douglas Adams passing. Uh, uh, and eh, you know, it, they 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 did they they did what they could, and and it just didn't work for me. But I also haven't read it in a while. I don't want to be fair. To that book as well. Um, I, I love the Dirk Gently series as well, but there's just something always special about uh, Arthur Dent grabbing your towel and uh, your uh, your robe and heading out into the galaxy, whether you wanted to or not. And it resonated with me. And I think Martin Freeman did a wonderful job in the movie version. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, there's not much more to say because these books have been discussed and will be discussed for years. And I think they should. But it's my number one choice, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series. That yeah. is a great choice. Uh, I'll be perfectly honest. I left it off my list because I was pretty sure that it was going to be uh, on yours. Well, see, I'm <laughs> mine because I thought maybe it might sneak onto yours, but uh, here we are. No, I, I literally, I literally uh, swapped the, something out for it uh, be- right before we recorded because like, hey, he's got it. He's got it. Uh, no, incredibly uh, uh, important book to me. Also, you know, young teens and in, in hearing something, reading something that that 
funny. And also, I think, uh, relates to a lot of the different things we've been talking about, particularly some things on my list of, I keep saying, like, you know, it's a book that's really honest that life is hard, (laughs) but still tries to find humor in it. And I think that is is what is so powerful about those books. And as you read them, you can see Douglas Adams' mood change from he gets particularly nihilistic um, and then swings back to like, actually, everything will be okay. And then another book is like, mm, actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And it, it, the they're hilarious on a simple surface level, but they also have that air of like, we're just so breaking down the behaviors, not just of individuals, but the choices we make as a society. You yeah. know, or the end of the first book, uh, when the, uh, the group has crashed and they make leaves their economy and they all become rich. And then they realize that's a problem. And then they're making documentaries about themselves, you know, and I, that one, that one just like, that blew my mind. It's like, wait, that's, that's what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. It was so, so powerful. It's, I mean, there's a lot of talk and there. I think there's a, even a book out about the, a lot of the predictions, quote unquote predictions that Douglas Adam made even the hitchhiker's guy the galaxy itself kind of being an ipad right with the internet like mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff there's a lot of those but 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 to what you're saying there's there's more about that um that's there there's uh uh i reread the first book a couple years ago uh post and sorry to get very real but post uh george floyd's murder like i not there wasn't a connection i just was like i think i just want to read this book <laughs> there's a lot going on in the world i'm stuck inside the house uh towards the end of the first book there is a dangerously accurate uh, uh, addressing of police violence and, mm. uh, and, and the toxic masculinity uh, that can, can sometimes uh, uh, be found there. I'll say sometimes um, to be nice. Uh, and I had not, I forgot that was there. I, I didn't connect with that when I'm in seventh grade. I thought it was just funny conversation. Uh, I would ask, uh, I would encourage people to read it and get to that part. It's, it's stunning. It was jaw dropping for me. The stuff he's talking about, uh, as uh, they're, what they're saying to the, these space police officers uh, as they're as they're tracking them down and and and, and shooting them, um, uh, and that's the kind of thing that emerges when someone like Douglas Adams is so plugged into who we are or why we are or what the hell are we? Uh, mm-hmm. And it's pretty fascinating. I think that's part of the legacy as well, other than towels and 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 Vogue mm. poetry. Like there, it's 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 insightful, and that's why yeah. I this the time. I think it also connects to our discussion of Leno and Letterman and, you know, we will, we can do a comedy theory yes. <laughs> center sometime, <laughs> but there's this, there's a contrast between people who look at the world and see it as sort of flawed and weird. And the comedy comes from trying desperately to make sense of the fact that it's flawed and weird. Mm-hmm. And then there's comedy that's like the world makes perfect sense. And anybody who is at all aberrant needs to be made fun of. Yeah. Right. Yes, I, I think Letterman and Leno are, in my opinion, like some of the just starkest contrast mm-hmm. between those perspectives. And, and Douglas Adams is definitely of the Letterman school mm-hmm. of like, this is weird and we're trying to make sense of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. indeed. Indeed. So there you go. Jen, uh, any thoughts on uh, the answer being 42 or these books? Indeed. Uh, you know, I, I remember I read it so many years ago, I think we're about eighth grade or something. But what I do remember most was that if I saw another kid who had that book, mm-hmm. it was almost like I could breathe a sigh of relief. Like, oh, <laughs> we're like-minded. You know what I mean? Like, it was just like, okay, I can be myself around this person. Um, it was just like instant. So that's mm-hmm. what I remember most. Yeah. 
That's a, that's a good legacy. Good legacy. Huh? Yeah. Excited. Excited about that. There's uh, the final post for me. There's a book that I backed and one of those crowdfunded things mm. five years ago. I can't even remember. Oh. Like I forget I did. And every once in a while I get an email update. Uh, oh. It's here. It's here. And it's, it's being shipped to me now. And it's one of those big giant. Ooh. I almost need another coffee table to get at books. It's about Douglas Adams and hitchhikers and everything about it. I can't wait. Uh, it's kind of like when, you know, Joseph, you, you know, su- su- supported that toy one recently. And it's like, oh, yep. now it's actually here. Um, <laughs> so I uh, can't wait. But final postscript on the, on the Douglas Adams of it all for me. All right. That's great. We're up to our number one choices, uh, as uh, I said. And Joseph, I think uh, we're going to have you go next with your number one choice for your favorite book. Excellent. You have, uh, you've both had some, some great nonfiction and I'm going to end on nonfiction. Uh, I will caveat. I haven't read it in many years. Uh, <laughs> I don't even want to add them up many years. Uh, it's, it was so fundamental, uh, to me at sort of the beginning of my, my career as a performer and, and comedy person of, of any kind. Uh, and I want to revisit it, but I, I, I almost like, I can't just, it can't just be like a Tuesday and I reread it. Like I, I need to somehow do something to celebrate returning to this book. Uh, my number one is the book Why Me by Sammy Davis Jr. Mm. Um, Love it. We, we, we talked about on the music podcast how I had become, you know, bought some Sinatra albums to, to, to laugh at the, the funny old man <laughs> that I saw on Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. and discovered, wow, this music is actually amazing. Wow, this time in history is actually amazing. And it just, it opened me up to other artists. Uh, Sammy Davis Jr. is a runner-up for my top five uh, musicians. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, I think people of our era can kind of know him from some like the Candyman stuff later in his mm-hmm. career. He's a phenomenal, amazing uh, singer, mm-hmm. uh, as well as dancer and, you know, born in a suitcase vaudevillian type. Um, mm-hmm. He wrote, he had, he had written uh, a, a pretty famous and, and uh, uh, important uh, uh, autobiography um, earlier, but this was one he wrote at the end of his life when he knew he had cancer and it, mm. the, the end was coming. Hmm. Um, in, in the Why Me title is sort of wrestling with, you know, how, how did I break through and have all this success and all this joy? Um, but it really is just a, it, it's, it's a book about the 20th century in a lot of ways because it is walking through his experiences the the horrible experiences of racism uh that he had uh particularly in the armor army um mm. as an entertainer the um both the uh the the progress that was able to be made through entertainment uh mm. in racism from from his estimation this book is 88 89 Mm. Um, and also the things that really hurt that he couldn't uh, get past. So it, it's a book about the era, but it's also just a book about being a performer and living that life almost exclusively. Mm. And mm-hmm. it was the book that made me go, oh, this is what I want to do. It, it was about the creativity and the joy of it. But it, it, there's a passage in it that I... um I know I've mentioned on on Four Center uh, sometimes where he's talking about being a parent and just desperately wanting to be a good parent, but getting older and realizing he is an absolute expert at multiple forms of entertainment. Mm. He he, you know he he learns to drum, he learns to twirl guns, he learns to do anything. He wants to do everything, and realizes he doesn't know basic human life stuff. <laughs> yeah. In his 
kids are, you know, coming to him and he's like, I can tell you how to do a show stopping version of birth of the blues. And that's it. It's a lot <laughs> to me, but that's it. And, so, and there was something about that, that even though it was almost a cautionary tale was like appealing to me. If I want to be a performer, I want mm. to be a creative person. I want that to be uh, my life. And, 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 uh, I'll wrap it up with this. I think there were some times in my life where I was too all consumed with that and I didn't know or choose to know mm-hmm. other human things. But I still feel like that's the being being creative is what I have to offer. Yeah. And um when my when my father-in-law passed away recently, um sometimes it it's hard for me to know how to be there for people. Mm-hmm. And uh my mother-in-law and the rest of the family, you know, uh, I offered if you, for the celebration of life, if you want any help with it, if you want uh, somebody to, to greet everybody and set the tone. And I I'd like to collect memories and uh, of my father-in-law and turn them into kind of like a, a tone poem. Um, And it, for me, it is like, I so relate to that passage in this book of, this is what I know how to do. I don't, mm. maybe I sometimes don't know how to do human things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe I struggle with certain emotions or certain interactions, but through being a performer, I can express myself. And like, uh, I, I said to my mother-in-law, like, this is what I can do. And I'm, I'm so happy that I could use the, the skills that I have mm. to honor my father-in-law. Cause it's, it's what I know. And I kept thinking about this quote of, mm. You know, I might not know how to do other things, but I can put on a great version of Birth of the Blues. And not that the celebration of life was a show, but that the lessons and, and skills of being a creative person and performer do translate out to other parts of life. Mm. That's wonderful. Well said and, and deep and, and, and felt. Uh, yeah, there's, uh, you know, there's a certain danger that as you and I have discussed off air, even though, you know, mm-hmm. who am I without this microphone? Like, yeah, it's important stuff. And, and, uh, Fascinating. I, I, I did not um, fully grasp that side of, of, of Sammy's life in that regard, and that the course would be what he would experience. There's a lot of big things about him that I know or think you know, and that's mm-hmm. uh, stuff that uh, I'd love to experience. Maybe take that on myself. A wonderful choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, incredible, incredible human being. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 if you if you just know him from some of his later songs in the '70s, do yourself a favor and, and check out some of his work. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, wonderful stuff here. We have finally done it. We've reached our final choice of the day. Jen, take us home with your favorite number one, big number one favorite book. Yes. My number one is Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. Mm. There's a reason this novel from 1813 has resonated with people for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. My mom actually introduced me to this book when I was a teenager, although she used to quote it throughout my entire life. Um, mm-hmm. She's first-generation Mexican-American. She loved that on the surface, this book is about like you know social decorum and manners. But one of the big themes is that social standing and wealth are not necessarily advantages in Jane Austen's world. Mm-hmm. Um, the st- I won't go too much into the story, but the gist of it is that it's about the Bennett family, which includes five very different sisters. Mrs. Bennett wants to marry off all of her daughters to wealthy suitors, which is very much of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also about the relationships between the sisters as much as it is about the relationship between the main character, Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth Bennett, and Mr. Darcy. Uh, Elizabeth, as a heroine, she's really smart and she's headstrong and she's funny. 
And she's very modern, a very modern day kind of heroine, in spite of the fact that it was written so long ago. And Mr. Darcy, meanwhile, is very serious. He's a very proud man. He's not very likable at all. Um, so the, the book is kind of about their relationship and how much they hate each other initially. Mm. Um, I just, I love this. I'm not a romance person. It mm. is romantic in a British way, which I'm okay with. Uh, <laughs> right? There is a little bit of a difference between British romance and like American romance. Um, I like the British kind. Uh, <laughs> Jane Austen's writing is really witty. It's sharp. Um, and all of her novels possess social commentary and biting irony, which again, you may not associate with a book from 1813. Um, and if you've seen any of the adaptations of Pride and Prejudice, they are all good. Kira Knightley, Matthew McFadden from Succession. Sorry, that's a, uh, Donald Sutherland is in that one. So, so freaking good. Um, mm -hmm. uh, anyways, it's just a favorite. I love it. It is of the time, but it still feels very relevant because my mom reminded me of Mrs. Bennett. <laughs> she would be like, yeah, refrain your comments to the weather. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, boy. A mm. <laughs> uh, lot to unpack. Uh, yeah, exactly. A lot to unpack. A lot to unpack. That is so great. I have never uh, read the novel. I, I memorized the first sentence also for a comedy thing, uh, but I've never read the novel, enjoyed all the adaptations, but I, I really need to add that to my list and actually experience it. Yeah, it's well, because it's it's so known, right? It's just mm -hmm. as a book, but as, as, as the, the movie versions as well and the characters and the names. And yeah, Jen, I love your description. It's, it's a big well said on, on what it's really about, right? Which is why we mm -hmm. all come here every week to talk about the art and what's really there and the lessons because it's so easy just to be like, oh, the, the romance uh, book movie. Yeah, I heard about that. You know, it's, it's, I, could, I could grump that off right away and not stop to uh, appreciate it there. So I really respect uh, your perspective experience with that. But it's an old timer. Yeah. It is an Alzheimer. It's so, so relatable. And I, my copy is at my house. So I did watch, uh, to refresh my memory, I watched uh, the Kira Knightley one. And, and at first I was like, wait, is this really my number one pick? Am I, am I 100% sure about this? And it sucked me in because it is so <laughs> relatable. If you've ever been in love or you've, mm -hmm. you've, you know, seen someone at first and you're like, I don't like this person. But then the more that you got to know them, you're like, oh, actually, I think this person is incredible. Like, it's just, ah, oh, it really, mm -hmm. it's such a great, such a great story. Wow. A great story, an all timer and a great way to end this list that uh, could go on and on both with choices and descriptions and uh, explanations is why it means so much to us there. So any final thoughts, Jen, Joseph, on uh, favorite books? And are you going to start rereading right now? Uh, my only final thought is that I have uh, three piles uh, next to my head where I sleep of books that are threatening to mm -hmm. <laughs> do me great physical harm. And now I need to add more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm I'm excited because I'm in a new era of reading. I'm expanding my horizons with all different types of authors because, like I said, my list is very classical. Um, I want to, uh, you know, diversify it and i think i talked about tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow that was almost on my list um mm -hmm. but yeah there's going to be a lot more and now thanks to you guys i have a really long list so i'm excited to get reading <laughs> indeed indeed yeah i uh i'm with you joseph uh, it's part of the fun of being a book fan right these stacks mm -hmm. are, um yeah in fact in making the list today i i, I pulled out uh, pulled one out and i went oh oh wait 
I've never read that. I think I've owned it for 15 years. I never read it. <laughs> what I got to take him. Oh, there you go. All right, folks. Uh, if you want to check out a book again, uh, download a free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash four center. We have several recommendations here today. Uh, we're out of here right now. Uh, we'll let you know where you can find us. We're on Twitter and threads at four center pod. Facebook page is four center podcast. We're a bit on Instagram and YouTube as well. Catch the live stream uh, questions of the other variety on uh, August 25th. Oh my God, the end of the month is here. Podcasts available on Acast, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash 4Center, patreon.com slash 4Center. It's where you can support us directly. Find me at Ken Napsock or go to my website, kednapsock.com for more. Joseph, where can they find you and uh, any updates on films and where they can find those or support those? Yeah, you can find me on all the social media at Joseph Scrimshaw. In particular, people seem to be enjoying Blue Sky, so come find me there as more of those invitations get out. Uh, in terms of short films, the uh, short film I made that I ran the Kickstarter for, thank you for everyone who supported that, is called The Nightmare Adorable. It is a horror comedy film. Uh, Ken Napsok is in it, and he's great, and it is uh, making its way out into the world. I've applied to multiple festivals. It actually had its premiere this weekend in Rhode Island at the exact same time that I was uh, in the ocean having my own horror comedy um but next up it is playing at the hp lovecraft film festival in portland oregon uh the weekend of october 6th through the 8th i don't know the exact uh schedule yet uh but if you're interested if you're in the area come check it out all that is great stuff i uh, can't wait to uh, you know get the get the feedback from that film there <laughs> yes oh, i saw that uh, i got nervous when i saw you posted that it's like people are watching it <laughs> uh, where can they find and follow you and uh maybe share the everyone's uh, love of pride and prejudice Yes, that's right. Also, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. That's another one. Um, you can <laughs> find me on all the social media platforms. Blue Sky, Instagram. Those are the ones I'm really highlighting at Jennifer Landa. That's all I got right now. <laughs> there you go. It's all there. Find us. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening and supporting us here at Other Center. Now get real. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.